I'm Keith Billy, your art pal. We're continuing our season one walk through a selection of objects on display at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. In this episode, we're going to start out talking about a work called Vortex Drawing 17 by Alexa Horachowski, made in 2017. The piece's MIA accession number is 2017.80.6. This is yet another piece that just kind of jumped off the wall at me as I was walking through the MIA's galleries. I guess I'm susceptible to that. Like other wall jumpers, this is a very large work of art, just shy of 10 feet high. It's a sheet of Tyvek wall wrap, a construction material, that's been painted a flat black and then had light-colored pigment blown onto it with powerful fans, creating a chaotic vortex. So I guess the piece's name is Ap. Um, The vortex is vaguely reminiscent of Jackson Pollock, but differs in that it's basically black and white, And the vortex area has a distinct shape rather than covering the entire ground the way a Pollock does. In addition to the Pollock resonance, the piece reminds me of the graphical tracks that appear in the cloud chambers they used to use to track particles in high-energy physics. Do an image search for cloud chamber and I think you'll see what I mean. I hope I'm conveying just how much presence this thing has. It really looms over you. I don't want to overlap too much with the piece's gallery label, but Horachowski's intentions with this piece are really interesting to me. She's concerned with pollution in the ocean, so the piece is an intentional reference to things like the Pacific Ocean Trash Vortex. The visual reference here is obvious, as is the one in the name, but Horachowski takes it a little further in that the white pigment is intermixed with ground-up bits of the kind of trash that makes its way into the ocean. As a person who lost some sleep recently after reading about a sperm whale that had been found dead with 64 pounds of plastic trash in its stomach, I guess I'm exactly the target audience for uh, this work of art. That said, there's actually another thing that I wanted to talk about using this piece as a jumping off point. It does involve going a little bit behind the scenes of the creation of ArtPal. As I was putting together my list of art and artists I wanted to cover in the first season, I took a step back and looked to see how I was doing on the diversity front, or really on several diversity fronts. If you don't pay attention, it can be way too easy to just slide into talking about nothing but art by white men. And at that stage, I felt like I was doing okay on ethnic and cultural diversity, but not so much on gender. My list of artists was a little bit of a sausage party. So I fired up the MIA's excellent online collections access and just started browsing through to jog my memory on some works by women that I could highlight. This Horachowski popped up pretty early on and I remembered how much I had liked it in the gallery, so I figured yeah, I'll I'll do this one. But just to be sure, I kept browsing and I was really pretty flummoxed by how, when you pay attention to it, the collection there skews heavily, heavily towards men. There are works by women, of course, especially more recent ones, but the skew is there and it is really pronounced. Now, I want to be really clear about this. I am not in particular calling out the MIA for this. I think their collections just reflect a larger problem that's been endemic to Western art for centuries. The art world and the museum world that documents it has been overwhelmingly sexist for a long, long time. I mean, think about how many art movements are represented in the public mind by a dozen men and one woman. In the Renaissance, you've got Artemisia Genelici and, well, all the male Renaissance you've heard of. 
Among the Impressionists, you've got Mary Cassatt and, well, all the male Impressionist artists you've heard of, and so on. There is actually a, a fantastic piece of feminist writing on the subject, an essay by Linda Noshlin, I think I'm pronouncing that right, it's N-O-C-H-L-I-N, called Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists? You should absolutely Google it and give it a read. Noshlin, writing in 1971, lays out in great detail how women were systematically excluded from the art-making space by both societal rules and control of basic things like art education. If no one would allow women to go through the academies that taught men how to paint, then the only women who could learn to paint were the ones who followed very unusual paths. You read this essay, and then you just want to throw your hands up in despair, thinking about all the talent that must have gone to waste during centuries of patriarchal exclusion. I think this is getting better among currently active artists, and that's awesome. Certainly, the historic exclusion from art education that Nochlin talks about is no longer the case, uh, as well as the oppressive cultural rules about who could go where and fill what societal roles. I mean, there's a reason, for instance, that Mary Cassatt painted interiors often featuring children. That's where she could be. But we're maybe two or three generations into a course correction for a systemic problem that's been in place for over a thousand years. That's a lot to overcome. How can I tie this back to the work we're ostensibly talking about? Let's just say that institutional sexism is a bunch of garbage, just like the ocean garbage vortex Horachowski's alluding to. There, that'll do. Thank you for listening to ArtPal. Again, I'm Keith Billy. You can find me on Twitter at, at @keithbilly. If you liked the show, please spread the word or pop out to iTunes and leave a review. And of course, go on and uh, check out the rest of the season as we walk through the galleries of the MIA. There's a lot more art to talk about.